This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and everyday people about why we do the things we do. Listen to Choiceology at schwab.com slash podcast or wherever you listen. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's an issue where it's a fire hazard. Like, that was definitely a source of disruption in my life in the sense of knowing my parents could like go up in flames at any moment and nothing I could do could could save them unless I wanted to face head on this complete meltdown. Welcome to How To. I'm journalist Amanda Ripley. Have you ever stumbled across a room that fills you with dread in your parents or your grandparents or let's be honest, your own house? You know the one, a dusty attic just piled with boxes you know that someday you're gonna have to deal with. Or maybe it's a garage just teeming with junk that no one will ever use. Luckily, most of us can ignore all this stuff until we absolutely have to deal with it later in life. But our listener this week doesn't have that luxury. I'm a little bit nervous. This is the first time I've like, I mean, used a public forum to talk about this. This is Rachel. She doesn't want us to disclose where she grew up or any other identifying information because her family has a dirty secret, literally. Growing up, there were many people in a fairly small house and there were also many, many things. It wasn't just things, but also garbage, like what you would objectively look at as garbage. Rachel was one of 12 people in that small house, which felt even more cramped than you can imagine. Many, many clothes, a lot of piles of clothes, newspapers, shoes, you know, a lot of items from the dollar store, bills from decades ago. I mean, just everything is there. You don't even really know what you're looking at. (laughs) Me and all of my siblings would spend kind of countless hours decluttering, trying to organize, make space for one another, make space for our bodies, but also to have some sense of clarity within our our minds. This isn't a normal amount of mess. And by now, you can probably recognize the telltale signs of hoarding, even if Rachel, as a kid, didn't know it. This is not just about things. Like, this is really a, a problem because when we were younger, if we did try to declutter and dispose of things, my mom would actually then seek out those items and recover them and bring them back in the house. So it was also this like constant cycle of kind of churning through these meaningless items and just not being able to get rid of them. As Rachel grew up, so did the piles of stuff. We're talking floor to ceiling. And it started to feel like a real safety concern. You know, it got to the point where it was really, it's 
it's everywhere. It's in the broken down cars in the driveway. It's in the backyard, like ensuring that like windows were cleared and it wasn't a complete and utter fire hazard was ultimately up to the older half of the siblings. Um, Once I moved out, you know, if I would ever visit, making sure that that was like windows were cleared was a priority of mine. Just think about that for a minute. Adult Rachel coming back to her childhood home and clearing a path to the windows so her parents and younger siblings could escape in case the place went up in flames. You know, how how can you live with that? I think I've had like partners in the past who maybe I let one partner come for a holiday and they were like, if that was my parent, I would get them out immediately. Of course, that's a lot easier said than done. On today's show, how to live with a family secret that's been weighing you down for years. Except for her family and her partner, Rachel's never spoken about her mother's hoarding, in part because it's hard to find someone who understands. And that's where we come in. Rachel, hearing your story, I feel for you. I really do. It's a very difficult position because it's not selfishness. I've heard people say that, oh, oh, they're just selfish. No, it's not that at all. I've also heard it's an addiction to things. It's It's really not. So what is it? And what do you do about it? Stay with us. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on creditworthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like, can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs? The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com podcast, or find it wherever you listen. When Jessie Scholl was a little girl, she was often outside, weeding and pruning the yard, not because she liked to garden, but because she was embarrassed and afraid. The house was right across from her elementary school. You could actually see it from the schoolyard. And Jessie desperately wanted her house to look normal. When you're hiding something like that, it's really hard to have actual honest relationships with people because you you can't fully be yourself. So it is extremely isolating. Beyond gardening, Jessie had to care for herself, her brother, and at times her mother. She'd do the cleaning, the dishes, the laundry. A lot of children of hoarders, they do move away because it's free. it feels freeing to not have to look at it or think about it. 
And so Jessie moved out as soon as she could. But things got even worse at home. Her mom's longtime boyfriend passed away, and in response, she slipped into full-blown hoarding. I was just like, what is going on here? This place is such a mess. And um, she said, you know, I just, I don't, it's fine. It's fine. I became obsessed with trying to kind of fix her. And I tried many things, including um, going through her house by myself um, and cleaning it for, you know, like eight hours a day for 10 days straight. For most children of hoarders, even gaining permission to declutter the house is out of the question. But as Jesse found out, even if you can clean the house, it isn't a cure-all. I would clean it. And, I mean, not to be depressing, but <laughs> the next visit I'd come back and her house would be even worse. Jesse eventually wrote about this experience in her book, Dirty Secret, A Daughter Comes Clean, about her mother's compulsive hoarding. The issue of hoarding has gone mainstream in the past decade or so. You might have seen Oprah talking about it or caught the A&E show, Hoarders. To me, this place, it's shameful. It's a mess. It's not really a home anymore. It's a, just a house full of junk. There's been a lot of morbid curiosity around the subject. But the most important thing to know is that hoarding is a mental illness. A lot of hoarders have a really hard time in terms of maintaining healthy relationships um, because they, they are anxious, they're depressed, um, some have borderline personality disorder. I mean, even brain scans show a difference in their activity levels in certain parts of the brain that light up when you're dealing with memory and emotions. They're, their um, neurologic activity is slower in those parts. So it's, it's a real thing. And um, it's isolating in that way for the hoarder. Um, it's really isolating for the kid. I just remember my mother would always have paranoia about, about us reaching out to her family members in fear of them kind of quote unquote dropping by unexpectedly. Um, also getting dropped off at home was like, oh, drop me off at the corner. You know, there was a lot of anxiety that was around this big elephant in the room, but no outlet to sort of diffuse among the family and have a conversation th that this was a problem. Living like this is fairly rare, but not unheard of. It's estimated that at least 5 million people in the U.S. are compulsive hoarders. And many, many more are suffering with severe depression and anxiety in other ways. But you don't always hear about it because of this sense of shame and secrecy that can sometimes envelop the family as the walls close in. Rachel, when is the last time you were at the house and what was that like? Um, that's a good question. Gosh, I want to say over five years ago. Like my mother is very protective over the space and doesn't want anyone to enter the space because she's fear, you know, fearful of judgment. Even the last time that I was in vicinity of the home, we went to a storage space as a family and kind of looked at the items. And I was, you know, observing my mother and everything had a story of what she was going to do with it, like a really old storybook that she found she was talking about reading it with the grandkids and I was like if 
you didn't have all these things that took up so much emotional real estate in your life that you're constantly kind of churning through and organizing, you would be more present to have those moments. Rachel and her siblings tried getting her parents to talk to a therapist. My mom is very old school, so she's super anti-therapy. So we had to frame it within a very compassionate way. But her parents didn't follow through, telling the kids they didn't need to pay someone to tell them to throw away their things. Meanwhile, there are, buried in all this clutter, real things that are sentimental to Rachel and her siblings. And we don't even really know where those are, like photos that are irreplaceable. And knowing that they're not being well cared for is, that piece is very upsetting. Yeah, I think, you know, because it is things, people are like, well, just get rid of them or just throw them away or make sure that they're in a safe space. It's a lot easier said than done. I mean, nobody who has had actual experience with a hoarder would say that. Here's a quick tip for people with aging parents, and they don't have to be hoarders. If you can, go in and locate any valuables and important documents sooner rather than later. Don't take things out of the house without permission. Instead, take pictures of the documents and note where the valuables are. And in the past, when you've tried to do things like that, to clean up, declutter, or confront her, how exactly does she react I mean, she goes ballistic and she's very angry and upset. And yeah, it triggers something. It triggers something very deep. And I have ideas about why and what. Those are not things that she shares. She's not a transparent person. In fact, I don't really know her that well at all. (laughs) But um, even though I grew up with her. But um, yeah, it's so it's such a deep territory that it's scary to touch that. Jesse, given that Rachel has all these concerns about her parents' safety, do you think, I mean, would it ever make sense to actually call the authorities? If I would not I wouldn't do that unless it was really really necessary because I do think like the idea of um of taking the hoarding parent out of the house and then redoing it and bringing them back, I just think that would trigger just such a breakdown. I, I, I just don't think it would be a good idea. Yeah, we had definitely thought of that in, in the past. Um, part of me is like, maybe they would be more responsive to that. I think my fear was always associated with them getting a fine or... Um, some, you know, something that they couldn't afford and it being more of a barrier. So, yeah, but that said, that said, if, if there's actual physical danger, if I thought my mom was in physical danger, I really would call, uh, adult protective services, APS for sure. Um, because that is different. Like last fall, my mom's water heater broke and she did not want to have anyone come in to fix it. She said it was because she didn't want to spend the money. Um, But really, I think it was because she didn't want anyone to see the house. So she went through the whole winter in Minnesota with no hot water. Mm. Uh, Now it is fixed, Mm. thankfully. But a situation like that, Mm -hmm. like if her heat was out or something like that, I I really would call Adult Protective Mm -hmm. Services. Just to reiterate, this is a drastic step not to be taken lightly. 
Sometimes calling the authorities on a hoarder can backfire and make things worse. But if you are truly worried for your parents' safety, consider calling Adult Protective Services in your area and at least discussing your options. In the end, of course, as long as they aren't harming anyone, they are adults, and as hard as it is to accept, they get to decide how they want to live their lives. Jesse, you know, after doing all that work to clear out your mom's house when you were able to do that, can you tell us what it felt like to return and see it filled up again? <laughs> well, it was just absolutely depressing and infuriating and you know, it would make me really angry. I would get really angry at my mom. You know, I put all this time in, I just like wore my body down for 10 days. And then I come back only six months later and it was worse. Um, yeah, it was awful. It was really, really awful. And I, I can't even, I can't even count the number of times that happened. But that also was part of what led me to just realize I had to let go. So it sounds like even though it was diabolical and frustrating and maddening, it helped uh -huh. um, helped you accept that this this is not one of the things you can control. Yeah, exactly. I just I just had to say, I can't I can't change this. I can't fix this. I think there is a, there's liberty in that though, because you think the issue is the cleaning, and then you realize the cleaning is not going to get me anywhere no matter how much I do it. Mm -hmm. We'll be back after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with Rachel and our expert, Jesse Scholl, author of Dirty Secret, A Daughter Comes Clean, about her mother's compulsive hoarding. I just want to pause on something that you wrote, Jesse, in your book um, that I, really struck me. 
You said, I've long searched for the perfect concoction of begging, conniving, and bribing that would finally make my mother throw out the trash and keep her house clean. Because I know that if I could get her to unclutter her house, her cluttered mind would follow. Somewhere under all the filth is a reliable mother, a consistent and compassionate mother. I just have to find her. Such a beautiful uh, way to capture that fantasy, right, of we could just fix our parents, you know, before they die, yeah. and then they'll finally be who we we want them to be, who they could be in our mm-hmm. in our minds, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I really had to just let that go. You know, that was the only thing I could do. It's really similar, I think, to being uh, the adult child of an alcoholic, because just like you really can't get an alcoholic to stop drinking, you can't get a hoarder to stop hoarding. Yeah, hmm. that I can definitely see some parallels. I mean, I remember thinking like, gosh, if this was just substance abuse, at least there's AA for that, right? Right, right. Jesse, how, how, what do you think about this challenge of weighing our personal responsibility to our parents and loyalty and need to keep them safe as they age? And also the reality that we can't, as you said, we can't make them stop hoarding. My mom is 78 and she's still living in her house. And, um, I have not been inside in over 10 years. Wow. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, what I had to do is just give up basically. Um, it sounds really depressing, but you know, I, I got scabies from cleaning out my mom's house twice and, both times it spread to my then husband, my dad, my stepmom. It took months to clear up. And after I got it the second time, I just said, this is you or me. Like I can't, I had to, I had to save myself essentially. I won't ever go into her house again. There's no way. So Rachel, in terms of what boundaries you need to put up, you know, you, you just, you have to think about yourself and I'm, I'm not trying to sound cold hearted, but also it's good that your mom has your dad. It's not just her. So she's not completely alone. Yeah. I mean, we're never invited to the house, (laughs) but, um, we just kind of lived in this mental illness. This was, the house was kind of, in a way, my mother's mind, but it also became my father's mind and our mind. So just navigating through that clutter and trying to find clarity, but also peace. Yeah, it's so hard, the sense of loyalty and betrayal. And, you know, I know um, this is not the same, but my mother struggled with bouts of pretty serious depression and anxiety her whole life. And I only wrote about it after, like a decade after she had passed away. And I didn't write about it in detail, but even doing that, yeah, it did feel like, well, maybe I'm wrong, you know, even though I know I'm not wrong, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I'm like, well, others might differ in their opinions. You know, I always felt like, you know, doubting myself um, and feeling like, but, but I will say having, the more I do talk about it, it is lighter, a little bit lighter each time. And that's our next tip. Talk about it. It may feel sacrilegious at first, but it probably will lighten the load. 
It could mean writing a book like Jesse, or just talking to someone outside your family who understands. One way to do this, which Jesse strongly recommends, is checking out the Children of Hoarders online support group. I really recommend that any child of a hoarder join that group because it is just incredible to finally be able to talk about it with people who get it, you know, and try to have a relationship with them that's outside of that, of the house. Like for me, what I did a lot was I spent a lot of time nagging and whining and begging over the phone, begging my mom to stop. And then just when you can talk about other things, it's, you know, you kind of have to just try to develop a relationship that's separate from the horde. I don't, I never mention my mom's house to her anymore. I just, I never, ever mention it. And if she brings it up and says, oh, Jesse, I've been cleaning. Mm -hmm. I say, great. <laughs> you know, I don't really believe her, but that's fine. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, uh, yeah, in some ways, just accepting the helplessness think, <laughs> uh, in terms of intervening around yeah. the decluttering. Yeah. Here's another thing to try, really for anyone who's just stuck in conflict with someone in their house. Try to connect with them outside of the house, literally and figuratively. Like, my mom is really funny, and we can still, even though I wish I could stop her hoarding and I've co completely accepted that I can't, we can still have good conversations. That's good. <laughs> yeah, like, on externally, if you saw my parents outside of the home, you would have no idea. You just you wouldn't. Mm -hmm. um, I think, mm -hmm. you know, I also, I, like, a while ago, I read an article, and it said in your 30s is when you're supposed to forgive your parents. <laughs> I thought, wow, that really resonated with me. You do have to forgive them <laughs> in a sense. And, you know, as a child of a hoarder, you are kind of waiting for that apology and realizing it will never get there is a light bulb moment. Just, mm -hmm. no, they're not going to apologize because yeah. they still don't see it as an issue or its impact on you or the fact that you're still exactly. dealing with it in your adulthood, um, knowing that they're living the same way. Yeah, people always say, oh, you have to forgive people just for yourself, your own peace of mind. But it sure doesn't feel that way, does it? <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. I really, I really do um, believe in that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have forgiven your mother, Jesse? Yeah, I have. Um, so it's not at all for her. It's completely for me. Because it wasn't helping me to be angry with her and resentful and so frustrated all the time. You know, it was just, it just took so much of my energy and it just wasn't, it didn't help anyone. Our final tip is to put up boundaries protect them. And this is hard. Don't feel guilty. I mean, the other thing is, I would say, just try to, A, know it's not your fault, obviously. It's not. And we know that rationally, but I think there's part of every child who wants to help their parent where they think, even if it's not their fault, but that it's somehow like a failing to not be able to help. And that's just... That's just not true. You know, you, you love your parents and you want to help them, but there's just, it's not always possible. So just kind of be gentle on yourself about that. I feel like what I'm hearing from both of you is 
and, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, even if their parents aren't hoarding, the feeling of having to parent your parent, right? Mm-hmm. Ever since you were little. And that mm-hmm. comes with a lot. It's a big burden to carry, to parent your siblings, to parent your parents, and then you have to keep doing it as an adult. And there's so much you can't control, especially as a child, right? But even now, as an adult, I love how you put it, Jesse, that it was her or you. You know, you at some point had to take care of yourself um, and your and your family. Um, and the scabies <laughs> seem like a incredible metaphor, right, for what happens if if you don't put up those boundaries, right? Exactly. I I definitely think that one. It sounds like your mother at least has a sense of how important it was for you to write about that experience and be forthcoming about it because I think the the secret factor is very um, it's it's a heavy weight to carry, whereas just admitting to to it would be really liberating for all of us. Um, yeah. Yeah, I have to say, I'm so grateful that my mom let me write about her. I mean, I, I asked her before I started, you know, is it, is it okay if I write about this? Um, she said, yes, I think it could help people. I think that would be great. You know, my book came out 10 years ago. And um, I mean, she really loves it. Like she, she calls it our book. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but the funny thing is, ever since then, she has slipped back into denial about being a hoarder. So now sometimes she'll say she isn't a hoarder. Hmm. And then sometimes she'll say, oh, Jesse, guess what? I figured something out about myself. I'm a hoarder. Hmm. And I'll say, yeah, mom, everyone knows that. <laughs> That's a fact now, you know? So it's the denial is, there, is slippery. Hmm. But I think... I guess what I'm getting at is I, I don't know that it really matters if they accept it. In the end, maybe what matters most is that you accept it, which is no small thing. Thanks to Rachel for sharing her family secret with us, and to Jesse Scholl for lending an ear and her insight. Look for her book, Dirty Secret, A Daughter Comes Clean, about her mother's compulsive hoarding. Do you have a secret that you're dying to tell someone or some other problem? Send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. And who knows, we might have you on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and a review and tell a friend. That helps us help more people. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rosemary Belson produces this show. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown, remixed by Merritt Jacob, our technical director. Charles Duhigg created the show. I'm Amanda Ripley. Thanks for listening.